Thank you. You can all be seated. And if you'll excuse me, I gotta spit out my cough drop. <laughs> oh, what a weekend indeed. <coughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to God. Well, I feel like Mary, the virgin, when the angel spoke to her and all that activity just before Jesus was born, it says that she pondered all these things in her heart. So there's a lot of things that I'm pondering this morning because of his presence here, because of his revelation, because of what he's already spoken to us. Uh, there's, there's a, I'm in a good place in my heart. You know, the Christian walk is a place in your heart. The promised land is no longer a geographical territory, a geographical place. The promised land now in the New Testament is a place in your heart. That's where you see Jesus. That's where you have wisdom, understanding. You can see the Lord every day in your heart by beholding him, beholding his glory and being transformed by the spirit of the Lord. So we're all in a special place this morning in the spirit, and I want to reciprocate reciprocate and just express appreciation and love and honor for this body, for this church. Because, again, you have to spiritually discern places in the spirit because God doesn't see as man sees. This church has a special place in the Lord. And again, we're part of a much larger body in the church universal. But you know, Jesus did speak to seven churches in Revelation, seven individual churches, and he had a particular word for each one. And so I feel like this church is so much more than what many naturally discern. And Pastor Carroll said said earlier, this is, we don't know how privileged we are to sit among shepherds and ministry gifts that have come to this place for years and years and throughout the decades. You, blessed are your eyes that have seen and your ears that have heard things that, Even the prophets of old desired to see and hear, and they could not because they were in the old covenant. And I want to appreciate your your pastors um, because, you know, when we come here, this man that is up here playing the keyboard and singing week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, (laughs) century maybe after. (laughs) No, I'm prophesying. Call those things that be not as if they were. Looking into eternity. (laughs) Um, You know, they have trials. I know that's a revelation to some of you, but they do have trials. They do have tests, many of which sometimes they can't share with you. They are such examples of a people that are not wasting. The Lord said, don't waste your trials. Rejoice in the victory. 
How do you waste your trials when you don't rejoice in them? Trials are an opportunity to praise and rejoice in the Lord always. To rejoice in the Spirit. To exercise your faith. To walk by faith and not by sight. So when the Lord says don't waste your trials, that's how I understood it. How do you waste your trials? By murmuring and grumbling in the trial. By complaining in the trial. By walking in the mully grubs in the trial. Woe is me. And we don't despise the trials. Every one of us has them. Some may have greater trials than others, but God gives grace according to the measure of the trial. You know, I often wondered for years, I thought, Lord, it doesn't seem fair. You are the righteous judge. And I know you're fair and just. It doesn't seem fair to me that some children are born into poverty and others are born into riches and materialism. That seems uneven, Lord. And the Lord revealed to me not too long ago, he says, some children are born into, uh, into a poverty and hardship, but I give grace to them according to their trials and hardship. If they will look to me. If they will seek me. Because they need a lot more grace. In places that I've been in Africa, the poor people need a lot more grace. You want to talk about an attitude check? Just go on a mission trip to India, to Africa, to some of these impoverished and even persecuted areas where people are trusting God for their life and for daily bread every day. And then you'll kiss the ground in America when you return. And you'll be a lot more grateful. So don't waste your trials. See, in heaven, the, the, the reason I'm saying this, because I see this in Pastor Ray and Carol. I don't think I've, I haven't been with you 24-7, but I have never seen these people down in the mully grubs. I mean, they may have their own, you know, private time where they cry and they weep and they, oh God, help us deliver us. But, in their public walk with Jesus, he's up there like a teenager dancing around. Oh, we'll celebrate the victory. <laughs> this man, it's no secret, he's closer to 70 than 60 now. But he doesn't exude, you know, he's, he's like his wife. They are ETs, eternal teenagers. Their youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> So I just have a, just a great appreciation <clears throat> for their faithfulness and their walk in God. Amen. And you are surely a blessed people. Amen. And not only, and I've said this before here, but not only do they oversee you, but they have sons and daughters that they are believing God for. Children. They're children's children. They have a large family. And it extends. And, you know, Carol comes from 16 children. 
They're believing God for many of them, their salvation, reconciliation, restoration. They're constantly exercising their faith, not only for you, for this church, for your spiritual growth, for the finances of this church, but they're exercising their faith for their children, their children's children, their brothers and sisters who are not, many of them not walking with God. So you have an example You know, shepherds teach their people more by example than anything else. Yeah, they can teach the word. They're quality ministers of the word. But what is the teaching of the word without modeling it and being an example of it? That's where the potency of discipleship is. It's in the example first. That's why Jesus said, You know, before you can even become a bishop or an overseer, these are the qualifications of character that you must have. Why? Because if you don't, you'll be a reproach to the kingdom of God and you won't be, you won't have, you'll lose your testimony and you'll make the word of God void. So you are indeed blessed. You are very, very blessed. And I really do this weekend in the forum, I really did see uh, that there was going to be a breakthrough here. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, I don't think it was just spiritual either. I've, I've been asking God, Lord, send more people that need to be shepherded by this couple. Entrust them with more families because this, I know what they offer here. Amen. Um, but as I'm speaking to you, um, the Lord the last few years, I can say at least the last few years, there's been a work that he's doing in my own heart. You know, he's constantly doing, I mean, from the time of the new birth, <laughs> he works in your heart. You grow, you mature, but you're not always aware of it. In the last few years, I've really been aware. It's almost like somebody is praying Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 for me. You know, it's like there's an awareness of that. Or, or I've just come into something in a, in a, in a spiritual growth and I, I, I know it. Sometimes you're growing and you're not really aware of it until you look back to when you first begun and you said, Oh, Lord, I have grown in you, Lord. Thank you for your patience and long-suffering. Thank you for the work of, of the Spirit that you've done in my own heart. And if you think about it, Ephesians 1 and 3, if you have the manifestation of those prayers in your life, there's not a whole lot more that you need. I mean, those were prayers inspired by the Holy Spirit. They are the will of God for every man and every woman, every human being. And the prayer, Ephesians 1, is that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to know certain things. See, this morning, some of us were in the spirit. We were seeing certain things. Revelation was flowing. See, that's a place in the spirit. If you have that, that means you are... That means the spirit, some some people have said the spirit of seeing and the spirit of knowing is upon you and working within you. Well, if you have that, you are seeing and knowing as the spirit of God sees and knows. 
And that results in accuracy in your walk with God. Because not everything is as it appears. You cannot, the Lord said it again, you cannot discern spiritual things with the natural mind. You would have a lot more discernment if the spirit of wisdom and revelation is working in you. As a matter of fact, to the degree where you can look at somebody and see them in Christ because of your discernment. You'll overlook their flaws, their faults, their imperfections, and you'll see them in the Lord. I look, and again, I think it's just as we grow spiritually, I look for God in small places. I look for God in insignificant people. This, this man right here, he blessed me this morning. Because he's up here dancing. His countenance is shining. The communications of the Holy Spirit are moving in his heart. We can't even see it. It's like a shaft of light came down on him. And he's rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. If you're looking at it with your natural mind, you're just looking at something else. You're not seeing that God himself is rejoicing over him because he has hidden certain things from the wise and the prudent and he has revealed them unto babes. I look for God in people like this man. I look for God in obscure places. Because some of the greatest people of God are going to receive the greatest rewards. Let me qualify. Some of the most obscure, insignificant looking people by natural appearance will receive the greatest eternal rewards. I'm talking about the ways of the Lord. The Bible says that Israel knew the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. And that has been a cry of mine since I was born again. Lord, I want to know your ways, your heart, how you see things, how you discern things. I want to hear what you hear. Because, see, you can't just be a casual observer or a casual reader of the word or just a casual worshiper of God and know his ways. When I read the word, I'm reading, I'm trying to read between the lines. I want to see the heart of God behind what is written. I want to know, Lord, why did you do this? Why did you say this? What are you thinking right now, Lord? Because your thoughts are higher than ours. Take me up to your thoughts. Lift me to the God kind of thinking in the mind of Christ. Let me see humanity as you see them. Let me see the, the, the remnant of your faithful people as you see them. See. The Lord has been revealing something to me. I'm constantly writing because there's constantly revelation just moving in me. And I feel this, this compelling to write it down. I mean, I have to write everything down. That's just how God made me. I'm a little scribe. <laughs> God called me his little doughboy one time. Just, just a doughboy. What is a doughboy without the bread? Take my bread, deliver it to the people. 
So when I think of myself, I don't think of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor. I think I'm, I'm just God's little doughboy delivering the bread of life. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mr. Pillsbury. Where was I before we got in the... <laughs> yes, write everything down. Revelation. And uh, the Lord's been showing me some things about the charismatic church. Now, that's a segment of the body of Christ that believes strongly in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And, and there's, there's something that has been... I don't know how to say this because I love, I am a charismatic, I is one, okay? I'm a charismatic Pentecostal, I'm not ashamed of it. But there's something in the charismatic Pentecostal segment of the church that the Lord has put his finger on that is a bit amiss. And again, I'm not broad brushing this. There's too much, he said it during the forum, there's too much of a focus on the power in the gifts and not enough on the fruit of the spirit and the character and the testimony, which we have outside. See, we as charismatics, and I've been guilty of this for too long. We are plugged into the appearance too much of the appearance of Christianity the hype, the showmanship, the presentation, the production of man. And not plugged into enough of meeting the needs, the real needs of individual people that requires a greater character of heart. We are quick to shout hallelujah at the promise of prosperity, but we are slow at picking up an invalid and bringing them to church or visiting a widow that's in distress or clothing the naked or visiting those in prison or paying rent for a friend that can't pay their rent this month. Or maybe watching the children of some widow that has, whose spouse departed from them suddenly. There are single moms in churches today that are struggling not only to raise their kids, hold down one or two jobs. That when their car breaks down, their washing machine breaks down, they wish they had a man, but they don't. The Lord is their defender. But we are his hands and his feet, and we must be plugged into meeting the individual needs of people like that. Many times, even when you gather here, there's somebody right next to you that has a great need, and they're brokenhearted about it. My own son, Daniel, who's home now, whom we can't wait to see. That's why we got to leave quickly when we get out of here, because we haven't seen him since Christmas, and he had to fly home while we're here. But he, he has... He says to me, Daddy, I just think that in the charismatic church, there's too much superficiality. 
people just quote scriptures to you and say, how are you? I'm blessed. And, and he, he'd like, he says, why can't they just be real? And some of the young people, the younger generation, they're turned off by superficiality. They long for authenticity. They long for not just loving in word only, but loving in deed and in truth, as the Bible says. Because this is so important to the Lord, and I'm convinced that he, he emphasized love this week in the forum, because have we forgotten that it's by the love that we have for one another that the world will know that we are his. In the charismatic Pentecostal movement, we have forgotten that. Why? Because we're too much plugged into the hype, the showmanship, the presentation, the professionalism, the production of man. We get excited about big conferences with big name speakers and big name productions, but we don't get as excited about meeting the individual needs of people. Why? Because it requires some amount of sacrifice. It requires us to be inconvenienced. It's not meeting the individual needs of people is not so closely attached to our emotions. And that's why sometimes we're not sensitive and we mouth things and we don't show love indeed. But if you want to know the heart of Jesus and the heart of our Father, this is what he rejoices in as in my studies of the word of God above all else is when the individual needs of his people are met. When you care for that widow, when you take in that orphan, when you pay that friend's rent who lost his job, when you take that man who's disabled and you give him a ride to, 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 to church, See, there's a part of our Christianity that's kind of mundane. It's routine. They're not as attached to our emotions. We don't rejoice too much about giving somebody a ride to church or meeting the need of some broken soul that's struggling. It's just so quick to rejoice when... The music is playing and the lights are on and it's a big conference and there's a big name speaker and you're hallelujah, hallelujah to church and hallelujah back from church. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, hallelujah, hallelujah, whatever. You know what it means. You know what I mean. <laughs> In this place, that's safe. Hallelujah. <laughs> and see, do you know why we don't have more soul winners in our churches? It's because of this right here, what I'm talking about. When I was younger, man, I wanted to get everybody saved before supper time. That was the thing. I thought everything else is a waste of time. I got to get them saved. Well, thank God for the zeal to win souls like that. But often I didn't see the significance of meeting people's practical needs. Because they'll listen to you a lot more when you care about them and you meet a physical need that they have. Hallelujah. And that's the reason. Well, if you think about it, soul winning and evangelism, there's not a lot. If you're honest with yourself, there's not a lot in the New Testament encouraging and motivating people to evangelize. 
Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. We know that the, the gospels and the book of Acts are full of the actions of ministering and of evangelism. But I don't find Paul or any of the other writers saying, make sure you're a witness during the week. Make sure you evangelize your neighbor. Make sure you're a witness at work. That was a given. They knew that if we are being whom God's called us to be, that's going to be a natural outflow of who we are. You don't have to tell a dog to bark. You don't have to tell a bird to sing. It's who he is. You don't have to tell a fish to swim. It's who he, it's his nature. Love is our nature. If we're moving in love, we're moving in God. If we're moving in God, we're moving in love. And the natural outflow is to reach out. And I'm convinced when the Lord called us to be a house of prayer, it's for a reason. Because a real prayerful people have the heart of God. I'm not talking about vain prayer, vain repetition. I'm not talking about a form of prayer. I'm talking about prayer is communion with God. You cannot possibly commune with God in your heart without having his love ooze out of you and flow out to others. I'm afraid what a lot of people and what religion is called prayer is just a form. It's just words. But when you really become a house of prayer, and, a, and I'm not, again, the house, we're the house. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, not this building. Thank God for, for this building. But you and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We individually are to be a house of prayer, meaning God, the Holy Spirit's in our heart, and we're, we are to commune with him throughout the day. This is the wonder of the new covenant that no longer does the spirit of God dwell in a temple made with human hands, but he dwells in you and us. What a marvel and a wonder that some, our spirits have not caught up. Our minds cannot catch up with this revelation. They come by the spirit. We wouldn't talk the way we do. We wouldn't do the things that we do. If we knew God is living in me, I am his temple. It's impossible to not be affected and impacted by that revelation. See, when Jesus cleansed the house of prayer, and this is on my heart because I've been writing about it. He cleansed it from being a den. He said, you have made my house a den of thieves, but I've called you to be a house of prayer. You know what that partly means to me? A den of thieves, there are ministers, and I'm sorry, there are false. For every true apostle, there's a false. For every true prophet, there's a false. For every true shepherd, there's a false. The Bible talks about it. And part of what God wants to clean up is ministers and even shepherds, but you know, your televangelists, your, your so-called prophets is to stop using practices that steal from the sheep. There's a lot of that that goes on. 
I could tell you stories, but I will, that's not the purpose of this. Just to show you that there's a cleansing that God is continuing to do in his church. We have got in the charismatic movement, will always be people that believe in the gifts and the power of God. But we have to emphasize the love and the character part a lot more. And be in a house of prayer, communing with God. What did Jesus do after he cleansed the temple? The Bible says that he called the blind and the lame to come unto him. In other words, my temple is going to be cleansed. It's supposed to be pure. It's supposed to be a place of prayer to meet the needs of the people. For the power of God to flow. And the blind and the lame, if you want to spiritualize it really symbolically, if you're blind, you can't see. If you're crippled, you can't walk. Spiritually, most people can't see, they can't walk. People outside of Christ especially. They're blind and they're lame, spiritually speaking. That's the purpose of God's house. That's the purpose of our individual lives is to help those that cannot see spiritually, those that cannot walk. To help them see, help them walk by the help of God, by the grace of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, And again, I'm not going, there's a lot of, I have some scriptures and everything, but. Um, I just felt like to just, to just start talking and I know the Lord would come and speak out of my heart. It's the love that God has em- been emphasizing this week that he wants to crown again this morning. There's something about love when it flows in your heart. Go ahead and do turn to one scripture, First John chapter 4, that when the love of God is flowing in a person's heart, it'll naturally flow. Move out to others. First John 4. John is called the love apostle because he spoke so much about love. And he's a very old man here when he's writing this epistle. You know, the longer you live for the Lord, the more love, the more of the fullness of love you ought to walk in. Because our spiritual growth is, first of all, a growth in love. You can't measure it really any other way. I don't care how big of a minister you are, how big of a platform you have, how many books you've written, how many television stations you're on. And we've written books and we've recently been on television. But that has nothing to do with your spiritual growth. Because some of these big ministers that are going to depart and be with Christ, they they think they're going to be first in line to receive their rewards. But I got news for them. Many of them that will be first in line are praying mothers and praying grandmothers and people that ministered in obscurity that nobody knew about. They were never on television. They never wrote a book. Nobody ever knew them. They are the people that are going to come to the front and be the first to receive their rewards. Because some of these ministers wouldn't even be in ministry unless somebody prayed for them. So the older I get, the more I'm aware of that. That's why I look for the Lord in small places and small insignificant people because I know a bit of God's ways and his heart for people. Hallelujah. Oftentimes... We're in crowds, 
The Lord's looking at the individuals in that crowd that have real, real deep needs. And again, I know the biggest need is to be, to be saved, to know the Lord. But beyond that, I remember one time I was in a conference in Gambia, West Africa. We were, we were missionaries for about three and a half years. And I remember the Lord sent us back to the States, and they had us come periodically for a few years to minister there. And I remember going to a graduation and convention. And, you know, that's when there's a lot of celebration because it's a graduation. And there ought to be. And there's a certain, um, a certain degree of pomp and pageantry. And the Africans, nobody can celebrate like the African people. I mean, they are colorful. They bring out their garb. They, they are love to dress up. They're, they're, where there's food. There's a feast. And it's a time of rejoicing. And I remember after I preached the, the graduation ceremony, of course, they knew me from living there. So everybody, you know, wanted to shake my hand, take pictures. I was going around taking pictures with everybody, and it was a fun time. But I remember all during this time, the Lord just highlighted certain individuals. I remember, for, for example, one, one young woman that used to be the epitome of joy. When we lived there, her countenance was always lit up. She always had such a smile on her face. Her name was Fatu. And I remember now I'm seeing her in a wheelchair. She's downcast. She's only about 30 years old at this time. Still a young lady. And as I was moving around, snapping pictures with people, rejoicing, the Lord just honed in on her. And I got down and began to minister to her and to speak to her heart. Then a little while later, another student that I used to know that was married to one of our uh, members on our evangelism team. And she was also very downcast. Sometimes people can hide what's really going on. But in this case, it was not hidden. And you have to discern and look through the mask and the wall that people put up many times in public. That's why we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation and discernment. And I remember again, just (laughs) the Lord just highlighted her. And I began to minister to her and encourage her because her husband had left her. They were evangelists. They were in the ministry. They were missionaries in another country. And he left her, abandoned her. So there's something about the individual. And my own heart is constantly ministered to when I see some of God's, really his champions, that nobody knows about. That's why I love to still still travel to the nations, to places, obscure places, where there's poverty, where there's persecution, where there's great need. Because my own heart is ministered to when I go to places like that. It is a remembrance. It is a reminder to me that in America, sometimes the comforts and the conveniences that we have can actually blind us. It's funny how that is from the true heart of God and for the many nations that are yet unreached and the many peoples that are yet in darkness. But some of God's great, great champions are laboring right here in America too. 
right next door to us, the next town over. We live in Wyndham, New Hampshire, and Salem, New Hampshire. There's a couple about 40 years old. They have four kids. And they're all, you know, at home. And one day here earlier this year, I was sitting in uh, my barber chair where I get my hair cut. And uh, a young lady does my hair. And she begins to talk. We begin to converse. And she mentions this couple's name. Jim and Lydia are their names. And I, I, I find out that she's a churchgoer, that she goes to Jim and Lydia's church that they, they, they have in their home. And she starts, because I had no idea. She had cut my hair before, and I had, I had no idea. He, she was a drug addict had a baby out of wedlock, living on the streets. Jim and Lydia found her, somehow got a hold of her, brought her into their home. Remember, there's a certain rejoicing that's not attached to your emotions. There's a certain part of our Christianity that's mundane, routine, requires more of us. That's Jim and Lydia in a nutshell. They are constantly reaching out to the down and outers. That they don't just give them a track and say, God bless you. If they're in real need, they bring them into their home. They've got a busy life. They've already got, they've got four kids that they're raising. She doesn't, hold on, honey, I'm getting to that. Don't steal my punchline. <laughs> she, she wants to get to the main part. She's a movie buff. She wants to get to the end. What's going to happen at the end? <laughs> but I'm telling a story that's true. And it impacted my life. She, this woman that cuts my hair, hated Jim and Lydia even when she was staying in their home. They rescued her from the streets, but she hates them. She hates when they talk about God. She hates when they talk about their Jesus. And here, they have done her such a great favor, but she didn't want nothing to do with God. What did Jim and Lydia do? Did they kick him out? No. Long-suffering, patient, merciful, knowing that she's blind and cannot walk. Long story short, she finally surrendered to Jesus Christ. Got filled with the Holy Spirit. Started coming to their house church. Met a young man there, got married. Just last May, in May, they got married. Their little son has a father now. She says, I love Jim and Lydia. They are the greatest people I've ever met. I don't know anybody with as much of God as they have. I'm indebted to them for my life. Because they took me even when I hated them. They loved me even when I didn't want to stay in their home and do what they say. Jim and Lydia have a small three-bedroom home. I went by there the other day just to check out the size of their home. Because I thought, well, surely they have to have, you know, they got four kids. But recently, they had 17 other people staying with them. 
in a three-bedroom house. I said, Jim, how do you do it? Well, we just built a bunch of bunk beds, and we have most of them are in one room in bunk beds, and we have another room, and our kids sleep together. And inconvenienced for the sake of others, sacrificing, laying down their lives every day. A couple that's living like that provoke me to love and to good works. I know they have probably a certain measure of grace to do what they're doing, but we can't always use that as an excuse. Well, we're not grace to sacrifice like them. We're all grace to sacrifice to some degree and to some measure. And if we get into this love and this heart of God and this character, I'm telling you the church will grow the way it should grow. Not because we're advertising a big conference with a big speaker. Not because our presentation, our professionalism, and our production is so grand. Because we're touching lives one by one. And we're laying down our lives one for one and one and one. That is real church growth. Not this transfer growth that we're experiencing in many churches today when people leave one church and go to another. God is dealing with this. Because we're not willing to cross the line and be laid out, spent for the sake of others. Because we're plugged into the hype and sometimes the Hollywood that's part of the charismatic church today, we're plugged into the professionalism and the production of it all that we're blinded by the false light. We're blinded by the hype. We don't really understand holiness. Unplug yourself from hype and plug yourself into holiness, which is the character of God. All the ch- much of the time, these church growth conferences don't go deep enough in this foundation. Because unless the heart is changed, you're going to have a false success and a false grace. And I'm not saying there's much good to be gained from these conferences. But a lot of times they don't touch this. They don't touch this. They have strategies. They have techniques and things they do to cause the church to grow. Let's tone down on the message. Let's not have the gifts of the Spirit. It scares people. Let's welcome people as they come in. Yes, let's make them feel comfortable. Sometimes God doesn't want them to make them feel comfortable. Do you realize that? (laughs) Sometimes God wants them to be afflicted and convicted of their sins. See, when I talk about love, I'm not talking about this sloppy agape, this thing called love that never preaches repentance, that never really preaches the word of God, and that never really gives the full counsel of God. That's not the kind of love we're talking about today. Talking about a love that's not just in word only, but in deed, that lays down its life for others. When Jesus, when, when the disciples of, of the Lord came back and they had cast out demons, remember? And they were rejoicing. Yes, the demons are subject unto us. The Lord said, ah, that's no big deal. 
little child can cast out a demon. Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. The Bible says he spun around ecstatically. Why? Because the wisdom of God had been revealed, had been hidden from the wise and prudent and revealed unto babes. That wisdom is contained in souls, salvation. That's what God cares about, the individual person. Even the acts of kindness and the things we do ought to be with one, one thing in mind. We want to glorify Jesus. We want his love to be demonstrated so that their hearts will be one to the Lord, so that we'll be saved. Even the criteria for judging the nations between the righteous and the unrighteous is based on if you have visited the sick, if you have clothed the naked, if you have visited those in prison. That's the criteria. Whether you are the sheep or the goat nations. Whether you really belong to the Lord or you don't. It's not in word. For there were some that he said, depart from me, who were casting out devils and doing signs and wonders and prophesying. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. The criteria for character and who we are, the, what identifies. It's not the miracles and the healings, although we need those things. Don't get me wrong. It's not whether you are ever on television. It's not whether you're known or you're popular with men or anybody even knows that your church exists. The criteria is the character of the deeds of love that you do in the laying down of your life. By their fruits, you know people. I don't know a prophet because he prophesies. I know a prophet by the fruit of their lives. I'm not impressed with so many things anymore. The older I get, the flash, the glitter, the gold, all that stuff, the the professionalism, the production of men, that doesn't impress me at all. You know what impresses me? It's somebody that's been taken up to the mountain and was offered everything, the kingdoms of this world, and they left it to go follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. Somebody that gave up popularity with men so they could be popular and known in heaven. That's what impresses me. Somebody that's left their thriving business, and I realize some people are called to to be in business, but because of the call of God, they left all that, and they went to the uttermost parts of the earth to minister to an insignificant, obscure people. That impresses me. Jim and Lydia, they impress me. They live one town over, and I like to get over there once in a while because It's just simple people loving other people. There's no hype. There's no, even their meetings are just like, yeah. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, I didn't read the verse yet. (laughs) First John, maybe we'll finish here. Honey, if you've got anything to add, please be free. First John chapter four. Just verse 20. Well, let's see. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, or you could say, if someone says, I love God and has aught against his brother, has unforgiveness against his brother, I mean, hate can be manifested in different ways. He is a liar. 
For he who does not love God, love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. In verse 16, that's the one we were also supposed to read. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And we could keep reading. There's so many scriptures on love here. But this is the crux of what the Lord, as I have heard, has emphasized this weekend. You want more of God? Manifest more love. How do you manifest love unless you've been loved? We love him because he first loved us. There's a lot of believers that I find that have a hard time giving love because they're not receiving love. The revelation of the love of the Father is also foundational to our, to our love walk. Because I believe the human heart has two, um, yeah, two chambers. One receives love, one gives love. How can you give love if you're not receiving love? How can your, out, your outflow of love is usually according to your inflow? And that's a whole nother measure of this message. It's just being secure, being complete in the Father's love. Because it's when you know how deeply you are loved by God. He said it yesterday. You lose self-consciousness. You stop trying to impress men. You stop trying to project yourself in a certain way. Put your best foot forward. When you're not conscious of yourself, every day of your life, you're, you're thinking of ways to bless other people. I said it sometime during the forum. You can walk into a room. And you're not even thinking about yourself. How you look, how you're dressed, how you walk, how you appear to men. The height of this love is when that's not even part of your thinking. You're thinking about all the people. Lord, who can I be a blessing to today? How can I encourage? Show me. Show me who's hurting. Show me how how I can encourage. How I can be a, a blessing to somebody here at this place. Even in these pulpits across America. There are ministers who really, as I have seen and that the Lord has shown me in times past, they are orphans themselves. Spiritual orphans. Trying to impress others with their, with their achievements and who they are as ministers. Wanting to feel a certain sense of self-importance. And it's all about that. The ministry becomes all about them. Oh, yeah, they say, we're reaching these nations. We're doing this. We're doing that. God bless their hearts. God alone is their judge. But I have found there are many ministers in these pulpits that are not even secure in the love of the Father. They've never received it. Perhaps it was because they never had an earthly father that has a lot to do with it. But God is our Father now, even if we didn't have an earthly father. And we need a revelation of his love to be secure. One, one day when I was younger, I was... You know, reaching, reaching for anointing, reaching for favor, reaching for significance, 
Lord, anoint me. Give me favor. Make me a mighty man of God. And the Lord said, is Jesus enough for you? If you didn't have a ministry and you weren't anointed and I wasn't sending you and you didn't have a vision and would Jesus, my son, be enough for you? Would you be satisfied with him? Boy, that broke my heart. And I realized I've made the ministry an idol is really what I've done. But when you learn to receive the love of the Father, you find joy and fulfillment there. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you. I'm loved by God. I'm a child of God. What greater thing is there? That's why Jesus said rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that the Father loves you, that you're his child. That is where the greatest rejoicing needs to be rooted in. Even if all hell breaks loose against you, you can say, I'm a child of God. Thank God that I'm born again, that I'm not going to hell, that my father loves me. The best the devil can do is kill me. And when he kills me, he knocks me right into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up, said enough. Glory to God. You got anything, honey? I finished my story for you. (laughs) Did you like the ending? Thank you, Lord. We're on the same page. Yeah, he can't go yet. We're going to minister to him and Lisa. Okay. Oh, man. Recently, we, were, uh, we went to Holland, like I said uh, yesterday, uh, with Lisa and another um, woman of God named Suzanne. And uh, Suzanne is another example of a lover of man, and she's like my champion. Um, she, for her birthday last month, her children were trying to figure out what to do for her. And uh, the, nobody was, everybody had an excuse why they couldn't go that day or the, why they couldn't do this, too much money for that, whatever. So nobody had come up with a decision. So after the service, her husband had ministered as a guest at that service. And um, she said, you know, it's my birthday today. And everybody, you know, praise God for her and all that. And she said, and um, usually we pick something to do with my family. And she has a big family. She has six kids. And some of them are married. But she, she said, you know what I want for my birthday? She goes, I want to go, and I want you to come with me. I invite the whole church to go with me. We're going to go to the Memorial Park. We're going to take pizzas, and we're going to pass out pizzas and share Jesus with all the homeless people. That was her birthday wish, was to do that. And so... And people said, and she said, if you can't go, give us money. I'm not going to use it for me. We're going to buy pizza. So she, she, they bought all this pizza, 
And all her kids went with her, and, 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 and they ministered Jesus. In the, uh, it was like a park for retired Army people and Naval people and that kind. So, um, yeah, so it was beautiful. And um, just I thought about her when you were talking about Lydia and uh, um, Jim. So, anyways, here you go. Yeah, he's re- he's getting ready. Watch out, people! <laughs> I'm getting ready for my trip because we are not changing our clothes. We are getting in the car and going. But I feel like the Lord. Did you have something, Pastor Ray? Okay. Um. I I want to see this body walking in the fullness, as close as we can get to the fullness of God's love. Do you realize in Ephesians three? The other prayer that Paul prayed, that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That we would know the breadth and length and depth and height of that love. For what reason? So that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's this love that fills us with his fullness. That's the real glory. (laughs) Is when we're filled with his love. When people are touched genuinely with God's love, they break. They cry and weep easily. They laugh. They rejoice. That's the glory. The glory comes wrapped in his love. That's what touches people's hearts. And I want to see this body be filled with a greater fullness that you would love one another first and then those that are still without Christ. You know, I didn't share this with Carol, but I shared it with Pastor Ray. I submitted it to Pastor Ray. I said, you know, just think about this and pray about this. Besides sharing God's love and being a soul winner, I think it would be, it seems good to me and to maybe the Holy Ghost that maybe every three months or so, you ought to have an evangelistic service in this church where all the people that you're sharing with during the weeks that you somehow target bringing them even if you win them to the Lord yourself, which is what I encourage every believer to do, that you would bring them to a special service. And again, they have to hear from God and know, but there's something about catering our meetings once in a while just for the lost and the hurting, the backslider. It not only does something in them, but in us, when we see a soul get saved, I mean, we were in a church Wednesday night and they never get people saved on Wednesday night. And three people came up to get saved. A couple of them were backsliders. And the, the pastor went like nuts. Yeah. Like this is a church of 650 people. You know, all the members, when they come, they say there's about 650. But on Wednesday night, less of them show up. And they were just like, and I said, wow, what's the big deal? Three I mean, I shouldn't have said that, but I thought, geez, I thought people get saved here all the time. But I saw what it did in them. It was just an encouragement like, wow, somebody got saved. Yeah. 
It's been weeks since somebody's come to the altar. And it was like fresh. There was a refreshing in them. John's wife was crying. This never happens. This is this never happens on Wednesday night. So just again, I submit that to to to, to your leaders. And but most of all, we need to be putting into practice what we heard today. Looking for those people to touch. Amen. Now, now, um, Albert and and um, <laughs> now I haven't forgotten you. When you're, in the, when you're too spiritually minded, sometimes we're not earthly good. Just come forward a couple steps. Um, these people have housed us many times now. It's, they've been so hospitable and kind to us. This morning in prayer, I saw, I just had a glimpse of your latter end. Your latter days, the days that are still to come. And I saw the blessings of the Lord just overtaking you. Even with members of your family that you've had desires for them. Wanting them to know God like you do. And I, I, just, I just saw you even being more fruitful. You've been so fruitful here. You've been so faithful here. And God has not forgotten your labor of love and your work of faith. He wants you to know that. Every act and deed of love and kindness, he has noticed and recorded every single one. Even that which man does not know that you do, he knows. And the reaping of those things will not only be an eternity told, But even in your latter days, you shall see the faithfulness and the blessings of God increase in different areas. And I'm not even just talking financially, materially, but even spiritually. And he will make you even a greater blessing for you have. Do not say, do not say, I don't have much to give. For you do have much to give. And even that which has been heard today and what I've said today, even, even then, even so, I have made you an example. You have been an example of these things. And I know you, says the Lord, and heaven knows you, says the Lord. And your reward is great, not only here, but surely in your latter days, it shall be greater than the beginning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Both, 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 both of them. Both of them. Overwhelm, overcome with the blessings of the Lord, the favor of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You bless them to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you. And you can take. All of you can take a hold of this. Anything that's spoken that you say, man, I want that, you take that. And just as he saw that for them, I saw that for you. God has not forgotten. He sees everything. He sees your acts of love. He sees your faith, your faith. He highlighted your faith to me. He said they have faith not only for healings in their body. They not only have faith for finances, but you have faith for 
the body here. You have faith for your family. You have faith for the things of the spirit. You have faith for his kingdom. You are faith people. And therefore, this breakthrough that he saw, I see too. Lift up your hands. And we're in agreement with heaven right now that all that this body is believing for, all that is needed now to come, healing, salvations, finances, power, Family, children, get grandchildren. Now, turn it around in Jesus' name. And he that honors you, I will honor, says the Lord. And he that gives unto you, I will give unto them, says the Lord. And he that receives you, receives me. And the one that I sent, honor, favor, the blessings of God too. Flow, flow, flow. So that their latter days too can be greater than all their other days put together. (laughs) the glory of them the favor of them yes let it be so let it be so yeah I want to share before we pray for the body A number of years ago, we used to travel to Kansas City to, to these Holy Ghost forums. And many times, Pastor Ray and Carol would be out there. And we stayed with a widow named Susan, who's now in her 70s. She had a wonderful home. She was a very hospitable woman, very well-to-do woman. And as far as I can tell, most of the people that she housed They were grateful, but it was very few that ever thought, what does Susan need? Oh, yeah, she's wealthy. She has a nice home. She has the material things of life. But whoever ever thinks of, what does she need? What does she believe in God for? Well, it was your pastor's. That every time they went out there, they had this heart. What can we do for Susan? Sometimes when they had nothing themselves, they're, buying, they're out buying gifts for Susan. They're bringing flowers to Susan, even small gestures of love. I'm telling you, this is the kind of shepherds that you people have. And many have come and left this place offended in dishonor because they did not discern spiritually what was before them. Because he that honors them honors God. And I'll say that about every true God-sent minister. 
but it's specifically for them today. So we're going to pray. Even, I don't know if you know this, but even one time we, we never take vacations because our money just goes for our life. You know, we don't try to hoard up for ourselves. We, we're always doing the ministry, and if we get money, a lot of times we're, like, thankful because we can pay for a trip to go somewhere, you know, and, and do something. And so that was, ne- that was never in our thought lives to have vacations. And one time they, they offered to bring us here and, and give us a week at the shore. And I just want you to know how thankful I was for that because – you look at those things, and even you spoke into our lives one time. As as pastors, you know this, that, um, you know, you just, you asked us questions. You have retirement. You have this. And, like, we don't have any of that. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> we're, we're happy when we get, you know, to pay our bills and, and go on our trips and do what we're supposed to do for the ministry. So, yeah, so that really blessed us that you cared so much and and I always said that's the kind of pastor I want you know that will and we have good pastors um and they care about those things in our lives too but um you're blessed and I I just I never said publicly thank you and it meant a lot to me as a as a woman who likes those things you know so I don't think a lot about vacations, but she did all those years. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, when are you going to take me on vacation? Let's just believe God to make a way. And since you did that, there's been one or two other people that have a- yeah, actually yeah, sent us on it. So that was the beginning of the breakthrough that we and, had. <laughs> and God has provided means for retirement for us now. He's given us a you know, uh, an inheritance we got from his father, and we're able to invest now some, you know. So, God, you brought that out, and, like, it's like it stirred us to have faith for, you know, for our our well-being to future. God does not forget our labor of love, our work of faith that we've ministered in his name. Amen. So let's pray for them. All right. Okay. Lift up your hands, everybody. I'm believing you're a part of this, too, in the healing and the anointing. As you go and serve other people and love other people, God's going to meet your needs. He's going to take care of your family. He's going to take care of your finances. And so, Father, I just lift them all up to you now. And thank you that you're going to take them step by step, no overwhelming with how am I going to win the world, but you're going to, they're going to step by step how they can be an extension of your love to the world around them. So we release that anointing. We release that supply upon them. And we thank you that you take care of them in the days ahead in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, oh, we give you a big hug right now. Just give me a hug. Give me a hug. Oh, look at him. I love him. <laughs> and kisses to you. Love you. And if we don't be offended that we have to leave right away, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, regarding, now, normally, <laughs> how many were blessed? Amen. Father, yeah, well, let's give the Lord praise for that. I need to comment about uh, normally the first three days of the first.